0: Apple presents events at the Apple Store. Please welcome this evening's guest moderator, comedian and author of *Sleepwalk with Me* and other painfully true stories, Mike Birbiglia, and tonight's guest. His new book, *Rob Delaney: Mother, Wife, Sister, Human, Warrior, Falcon, Yardstick, Turban, Cabbage*, is available on the iBookstore now. Please welcome comedian and author Rob Delaney.
1: Welcome. All right. Hi. Here we are. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> this is where uh so you guys were just shopping and then you saw there was like a thing going on, and that's why you're here. So these guys were just looking to get new earbuds and then they saw that must be what it was. <laughs> there's something there's happening. There's Let's cameras, there's someone's book cover on the wall. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, let's go. Yeah, that's, uh, that's about the size of it. No, I'm sure you're very excited. I'm very excited. I love this book. I love Rob. Uh, we were going to start tonight um, with, uh, Rob was going to read a passage uh, from his book, and I'll, I'll hand it over to you.
0: Yeah, be real brief. Uh, and the, basically this story is about when I jumped off the Manhattan Bridge in 1999 And I'm going to start in the middle.
1: As you said that, I spilled water.
0: (laughs) Um, The only thing I could do wrong. I came home from working a shift at the Atlantic Grill on the Upper East Side in 1999. And my roommate, Kiyosh, told me that uh, he met a guy who was going to help him jump off the Manhattan Bridge with a bungee cord. So I said, let's go. And so here we are. About 15 people were gathered on a busy corner of Flatbush Avenue waiting for the guy with the rope. For something wholly illegal and intrinsically dangerous, it was a rather well-advertised operation. After a few minutes, Tony arrived and led us along Flatbush Avenue toward the on-ramp to the bridge. As we traveled, Tony gave us instructions, including the order to lie down if the subway passed us on the bridge so the conductors wouldn't see us. Tony had me carry the bungee cord up the bridge in a big bag. It weighed maybe 50 pounds, and I told myself its substantial weight meant that it must be really safe.
1: <laughs> when
0: we'd covered some distance, he handed out walkie-talkies set to the police frequency to a few of the customers. He'd asked us to give him $20 a piece. He told us to listen for any, large, for any discussion among the cops about a large group of people sneaking out onto the Manhattan Bridge with crazy gear. He said that it'd be hard to get away if they wanted to arrest us, so what we were really listening for was any mention of Truck 2 or Truck 6. He said that those names referred to tactical anti-terrorist units that would kill us first and then figure out who we were. He said if we heard that those groups were being sent to the bridge, we should just drop everything, run, and not stop until we were in New Jersey. I listened very carefully for Trucks 2 and Truck 6 for the next few hours. We walked out over the East River, hitting the deck whenever a train came by, and made it about one-eighth of a mile from the Brooklyn shore, then set up our station. Our first instructions from Tony were to climb down a level on the bridge and, I swear to God, disable the red lights that hang from the bridge to alert airplanes. Hello, I am a bridge. I'm sure that today, after 9-11, New York law enforcement would truck six your ass off for that stunt, But our adventure took place two years prior to the attack, so we didn't imagine anyone would be too upset that we were turning a piece of vital metropolitan infrastructure into an amusement park ride (laughs) and making it partially invisible to air traffic. (laughs) Then Tony, who claimed to be a theatrical rigger, took out the bungee cord and secured it to something. To what? To a piece of bridge, I guess. I have no idea. Tony then asked who wanted to go first, and a short guy with a buzz cut volunteered. Before he let the test subject jump, Tony thrust a tape recorder in the guy's face. I'm going to skip that guy's jump, because who cares about him? And we're going to go ahead to mine. What is your name? Rob Delaney. I must point out that Kiyosh made fun of me without interruption for several years at how much naked fear was audible in my shaky, high-pitched voice as I answered Tony's questions. What are you about to do? Jump off the Manhattan Bridge. Are you doing this of your own volition? Yes! Jump! I jumped. I looked out over a sleepy, twinkling Manhattan as I plummeted into the night. It was wonderful and visceral, like my mind and body were violently wiped clean and rebooted to take in the majesty of the experience. It felt like a reverse berth as I flew into and through the darkness toward the river. Then the slack in the cord tightened as my rocketing mass stretched it to its limit and I shot skyward and bridgeward almost as fast as I descended. I made it almost to the bridge, then fell again and began a series of bounces. It was like being in a giant glitter globe as the city's lights shook around me. I felt entirely buoyed and supported and loved by the dirty river, the ugly bridge, the beautiful city and the questionable rope. Then Tony threw down the yank-em-up rope and after it swung past me a few times I was able to grab it, hook it to my waist and get pulled back to the bridge by my fellow jumpers. Then Kiyosh and the others jumped, one by one, and we pulled them back up. We packed up as the sun rose and took the train home to Alphabet City to sleep, arriving in full daylight. It had been entirely magnificent to watch about 20 people in a row have an experience you knew they'd talk about for the rest of their lives and participate in it as well. It was interesting to see the few people who backed out so totally at peace with their decision, too. Nobody gave them a hard time, either. I know I thought, of course you wouldn't want to jump off a bridge. Why would anyone do that? That'd be crazy. Those of us who had jumped were pretty much aglow. As my reflections began to gather and coalesce in my brain, I was absolutely glad I'd done it, but knew I'd never do it again. Nor would I allow a loved one, or really anyone, to do it, since I'd seen how ramshackle an operation it was. It was a singular rush and an extraordinary, terrible idea all at once. And while I have difficulty imagining a scenario where I'd do something that reckless again, I'm very happy to say I jumped off. I'm very happy I can say I jumped off the Manhattan Bridge, and you statistically cannot.
1: Let me start by asking uh, when you jumped off the bridge, were you thinking, wait till I write this in my book? <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's an awesome question. Certainly not. Certainly not. I'm still in low grade medical shock that I wrote a book yeah. and then that it got published. That's insane. So no. Wow.
1: Well, you know we have a strange, uh, strangely formed relationship. We became friends on Twitter.
0: We did. Which is
1: rare. Is anyone has anyone else made friend? Raise your hand if you've made friends on Twitter. And you know it's strange. It's an odd thing, right? And, uh, yeah, and then eventually we, we corresponded for at least a year. And then eventually we were like, let's meet uh, in person.
0: Yeah, we had a lunch date.
1: And then it was, uh, it was a letdown. Because it was <laughs> not, you know, it wasn't these tightly... Compact comedic
0: bits. I know, yeah. In no, moments. We bored each other. Yeah, yeah. We haven't done it since. <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, but uh, it's so, it's very strange. It's it, it's an odd... Do you have that a lot with people where you, where uh, you make friends with people who uh, you just know on Twitter?
0: Yeah, I have made friends on Twitter, and I think Twitter's better for making friends than any social network that preceded it because you do really have to distill sort of your purest essence into that little 140-character box. So like on Facebook, where you can have like a million pictures and be like, this is the carefully crafted self I choose to present, and then you meet somebody and you're like, huh? But on Twitter, it's like, no, you have to like like put like arterial blood into it so like when I find I like people that I meet on Twitter if I'm compelled to meet them from reading their tweets than I have with previous social networks
1: I've stolen this trick from you which is if I don't get a certain number of retweets I'm like delete yeah
0: well I mean
1: because you're just like well why am I wasting people's lives forcing yeah. them to
0: read these things that they're not enjoying I do try to, yeah, I cut my, t- I'll cut them. If it didn't, if people didn't respond, I get rid of it because yeah. it's also good for stand up because you don't, you have to be willing to kill your babies. Oh, yeah. And I don't mean human babies, but I mean that your jokes, you can't be precious about stuff and it doesn't land. I cut it. Yeah.
1: Do people ever take, because yours is my favorite Twitter feed and I, uh, I think a lot of people's favorite Twitter feed, but I do I think, think it's, it's so abstract at times, are you ever confusing America? Like, do you ever get responses where people are like, I, we are not, you know, we are not yeah. manatees, or you know, whatever yeah. response. Uh, most would... people,
0: you know, who pay attention to me, which I'm grateful that it's such a large number, you know, it, it is a big pile of people, but it's still a small percentage of the world, so if you choose to pay attention to my ramblings, then your mind is... Probably kinked in a similar fashion. So, the people who follow me, you know, I do enjoy if I say something absurd or really satirical, like about the government, and yeah. then and that gets retweeted, and then there are people who are like, "That's he. This boy's not sane. Yeah, help, help him or get rid of him. Do something because people shouldn't hear what he says." I like that.
1: Do you think that? Do you? Think, are you followed by any Republicans? Oh, definitely. Because yeah. you're. Your, how would I describe your tweets towards the Republican Party? Uh, bilious. Yeah,
0: sometimes.
1: Uh, they're and, very mean spirited, very funny, thanks. very funny. The funniest. I can't. I find I can't retweet them <laughs> because I'm like I don't want to deal with people tweeting. Well, hey, Aperbigs. Bigs. <laughs> Think, think more about Benghazi. You know, yeah, like yeah, I can't yeah. have that be
0: yeah. my at feed all day. Well, like you mentioned Benghazi, and I think that's really why people came here tonight was to talk <laughs> about that. Here's the deal. What's funny about Benghazi? Nothing. for good people. It's horrible. No question what happened there. There's no room for debate. But people's response to it and the way people have paraded these poor souls out and it's so awful and reprehensible. So when you make it, when you invoke that that like clarion call to bonkers, you know, conspiracy theory people, they can get really upset, which I find delightful. And I'm not, no, that's horrible. It's horrible when people die, unless they're like 98 and are like, I led a full life. I'd like to die now. Other than that, it's usually sad slash bad. And I would never make a joke about that. But I'll make a joke all day long about the way people try to twist other people's lives and tragedies to their own benefit. That's what humor is for first, and then distant, second, third, anything else, I think.
1: I believe they were ninety-eight-year-old soldiers.
0: Oh. Okay. That's right. Yeah. Okay. That's what I heard.
1: Okay, that changes things. I didn't know that. <laughs> um, do you ever have this feeling? Because I, I find my Twitter feed is like I've tweeted, I realized the other night I tweeted I've tweeted eleven thousand things. Wow. And I'm that's like, a oh geez, things. like if I ever had kids, mm-hmm. they'll never think, What is dad thinking? Mm-hmm. It's like they know. Mm-hmm. There's a stream of it. Yeah. I feel like that was like the guiding principle of my childhood as I was always like what's dad thinking? Mm. Never says anything. Yeah. But with
0: your kids, they're they can just kind of They're going to have some idea of what I think. Yeah, they're yeah. going to be able to they're going to be able to like Be like, take 25 tweets and like triangulate them and apply them to any situation. They'll be like, well, he's probably proud that I did this, but you can tell he sort of wishes I had done that at that point. And so they don't even have to talk to me, and then I'll go cry in a cave. (laughs)
1: <laughs> if your kids are ever like, what does my dad think
0: about vaginas? Well, yes. let me look here.
1: <laughs> Do a Twitter search for mm-hmm. Ad Rob
0: Delaney, vaginas. Even their oh. future like iPhone 23 will explode from all the answers. So we're like, Seven, we can't handle this. 724 <laughs> results. <laughs> Jesus.
1: I, uh, one of the things I noticed when I was reading your book is that you and I share a love of the book One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest of the film mm-hmm. and book One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I was thinking about it. I was like, is this a round of applause for people big fans of this film? Classic film. The oh, maybe is it, is it, is it a comedian's film? Like I was thinking about it today. I was like, why are we both obsessed with this film? And I was like, well, maybe because in a way, all the patients are comedians, and Jack Nicholson is the ultimate, his character is the ultimate comedian, who's kind of, he's crazy enough to be there, but not so crazy that he isn't like, we should get out of here.
0: First thing I wanna say is, I've, for the last four days, uh, I've been doing press all day, every day, and so I'm, I'm exhausted in a really kind of unique way. And I miss my children who are in California. So yeah. even thinking about that film, I'm already beginning to mist up, and I Aww. may cry <laughs> just for 20 minutes uh, <laughs> talking about that film. Uh, this that story, uh, you know, you've got a spirit. You've got Randall P. McMurphy as portrayed by Jack Nicholson in that film, and that film is perfect in every aspect, mm-hmm. from the score to the tiniest extra to yeah. all everything. Milos and, Forman, right? Milos Forman, yeah, and uh, that is, you know, Randall P. Murphy, he's a spirit who, you know, rages against convention, and, uh... Oh, here's a fun thing I didn't put in the book. When I was in the psychiatric... If you read the book, you'll find out about 11 years ago, I was in... I I drove my car drunk into a building in a blackout, and I went to jail and to rehab and to a halfway house. And, um... I was in the psychiatric hospital because I was in the chemical dependency unit of a psychiatric hospital, and I'm just like hanging out one day, being like, "Man, I really gotta get my life together," and uh, and then Nurse Ratchet walked into the room, and when I say Nurse Ratchet, I mean Louise Fletcher, the actress who played Nurse Ratchet, just walked into a room that I was in while I was in a psychiatric hospital, and I like backed up against like the way like Linda Hamilton does in Terminator 2 when she sees Arnold Schwarzenegger, and I'm like, <laughs> what? And she was there because in real life, she's a nice person who was visiting somebody she knew who happened to be in the same hospital. And I definitely, I filled eight diapers on the spot. And then we had a nice talk. She was a very lovely woman uh, because Hollywood isn't real. But uh, just thought that was something that would be fun to know. (laughs) That is
1: fascinating. That's what she has to live with her whole life is that everyone thinks she's the most evil nurse
0: yeah and in, in fact she's a, a good nice actress. Lady. Yeah, a yeah, nice lady. Yeah yeah good person. actress and she she did her job well.
1: Yeah. yeah. There's something about that movie that is very evocative though in in regards to I think comedy. I think the the characters are funny.
0: Oh they're hilarious absolutely. They're genuinely funny and absolutely. they're a,
1: a, and, and somewhat bad
0: And humor is a coping mechanism for the horrors of the world. You know, you take painful things and you alchemize them into good things. You know, you take, you know, if tragedy plus time equals comedy, we're using comedy to is either the end goal and or the process to get to a smile when life is so difficult. Yeah. And these are people who are wrestling with life's problems. They don't know how to deal with them. And they're using the wrong defense mechanisms in some cases, or the or they're using the right ones, which is like, oh my God, life is so hard. And then they're like, well, why don't you go in a box, you know? <laughs> and so, yeah, I do, I do, it makes real sense to me that that movie appeals to comedians.
1: Do you have a lot of people come up to you and ask about uh, and kind of tell you their own personal demons because
0: you open up to people? So yes, much? I do. Yes. How's that go? I mean. The, well, the pro- I mean, the process is, like you said, they come up to me and say, hey, listen, you spoke about this and I've been going through this, uh, you know, some variation of that. And uh, fine with me because, you know, like getting through the alcoholism and the depression, which I talk about in this book, um, those are things that I barely survived. And the way that I su- <clears throat> survived them was... By accepting help, you know, using time-tested methods of endurance and surrender and love in various combinations. Patience, the worst one of all to have to learn. (laughs) Um, And so getting that toolkit sort of gradually revealed to me by other good people, it's just, it's my my biggest life pleasure to be able to possibly share a kernel of anything that would ever make anybody, you know, make a good decision in their own life about their own mental health care or whatever. Yeah. So when people do that, I think, great, uh, my prayers are being answered. Yeah. A person, you know, it Makes makes It, it, it makes it feel like there? comedy is an actual job. Yeah. And not just this... Frivolous
1: thing, yes. That we enjoy. Um, yeah, I was actually one of the things I really admired about the book is, and I, and I admire like about all of your writing is, it, it's it's a you have a really strong point of view and you have a, you take strong stances on things. Like your point of view on alcoholism is firm. Like you're mm-hmm. not you're you're not psyched about it. Mm-hmm. You know you know it's a struggle yeah. and you know that it's you know you do th- you can do things uh wh- you know when you're drunk that are they're that just abhorrable and mm-hmm. and i think i like that about your writing because i find a lot of comedies pov on alcoholism and drugs is cooler than that it's like we're cool yeah. we, we're doing this we're doing this and it you know it appeals to people because mm-hmm.
0: they're like oh yeah but you're actually you're you take a pretty hard line on it but not in a humorous way well I, the thing is i do it i the hard line is for myself People talk about alcohol being cool because it's cool. It's fun. Oh my God. If you can party and have a good time, do it. Please have the best time. I know I can't and the only way I know is because I tried for years and failed. Like the time I finally quit 11 and a half years ago was after many times of trying and only after my accident where I was like, oh, I'm a danger to the world at large, not just myself. Then I was like, I shouldn't drink. So yes, I shouldn't drink. But should you drink? Really? Probably. You probably should. Yeah. You know. But I just. I shouldn't. But these people. shouldn't. Okay. But you guys should. Yeah. Yeah. You know. (laughs) Unless you shouldn't. But that's up to you. I have no. That's not up to me.
1: We should take some questions. Did anyone raise their hand if they had a a question they wanted us? Go ahead. Just raise your hand. We'll we'll come to you with them. Oh, uh, this person. uh, The police are going to come over and uh, (laughs) they're going to put a microphone on you and then they're going to strap something to your asshole. <laughs> I have a question for both of you guys if that's all okay. right. With two different questions. So, I understand Rob that you're a singer. That like sing. you used to sing yep. in like in Fenway Park and everything. Do you True. still sing?
0: Uh, I sang the national anthem at Dodger Stadium a few months ago. So, yeah, I I I like to do the Fenway and the Dodgers like once a year on average. Did you do Fenway too? Yeah, like wow. five times. Holy cow. Yeah, it's crazy. That is outrageous. It is outrageous. Wow. It's because I used to do musical theater. I went to NYU around the corner, and I mm-hmm. studied musical theater. And uh, and that's what I... Then when I got out of college, I was decided, yeah, I'll do comedy instead. Uh, but I still know how to sing, ostensibly. There, you and I are
1: both from Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. There's, a, What is it about Massachusetts that there are so, so many comedians... Uh, you got Dennis Leary, you got uh, Stephen Wright, Eugene Merman, yep. Lenny Clark. I mean, this is like countless numbers yeah. of comedians. Do, what, do, do you have a theory on it? Hmm. you ever think about it? I, You know, I don't know. What it's would it be? It's just the worst
0: state. What would it be? It's a and, terrible uh, place. There's I mean, it's a bad place revolting, bad, bad and people. It's revolting and people describe it, I mean, it could be that it's what it's like to live there and then they're comedians. It could be because it was, like, the first place to be, like, settled by European people when they came over. So maybe there's just the oldest buildings are there. and Or maybe the Quabbin Reservoir, which is where Boston gets water. Or maybe they're water. just, like, rebellious people could be Paul Revere yeah, you know, just trickled on down it's cold it's cold and it's hot in the summer like I live in LA now yeah. and it's nice and when I say nice I mean it's like 76 degrees and sunny yeah. 350 days a year so it, but it, then it, 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 so it's not hot people think it's like summer there all the time no it's the nicest spring day there yeah. and so so uh, very soft now I'm from New Hampshire, so I know what you mm-hmm. guys are talking about. And yeah. then Mike. So, Sarah Silverman.
1: Yeah, yeah. And Adam big, Sandler and Seth Meyers. There we go. A lot of comedians in the Northeast. Um, and then, Mike, I understand that you asked a significant other, maybe your wife, to a date on ch- at church. True. Can you talk about that? <laughs> Can you talk about that <laughs> decision? <laughs> I'm not going to steal focus. Uh, because that was minute. in, that was mean, in my book. No it's uh, no in my book I talk about how I asked my college girlfriend to go uh, to church because it was like a change up. Like she kept mm-hmm. saying no to me asking her out and so then I was like, hey, we should there's a church on campus. <laughs> we should go to church. That'd be and she just thought it was insane and she's like, sure, I'll do that.
0: Well done.
1: Yeah. And then, and then that led to a really long relationship that ended terribly.
0: I'm so sorry.
1: So yeah, I'd roll with that. <laughs> Does anyone else have a question? Raise your hand. Oh, go ahead. This gentleman's going to uh, put a microchip in your nipples. <laughs> uh, I just wanted to ask if you have
0: anything uh, to say about working from home and making your own schedule uh, as a writer um it's it it can be challenging you know so i try to i like to get deadlines from magazines and publishers (laughs) and uh then go on the road and so i guess since i do work from home i try to work from home as little as possible and be uh told what to do and where to show up so I, i i mean basically when i'm at home i'm trying to get opportunities that aren't at home Because uh, that can be hard. But when I do, a lot of this book I wrote using um, a couple different computer programs. One (laughs) called Mac Freedom, which just turns off your internet and you can't turn it back on. And then the other one is called. That's called
1: Mac Freedom?
0: Yeah. Are you kidding? From your Mac. And uh, and then the other one is called Write or Die, and basically like I think it's like a flash window opens up on your screen, and you write within that, and if you stop writing, your screen will start to turn red, and if you don't resume writing, it'll start to delete what you've written. That's great. No. For f- oh yeah. No. Oh irretrievably. Yeah. Not like oh I hit this to get it back. Gone. If you stop
1: writing
0: for a few it seconds, it erases what you've written. Yep. And I love it. It's, of course, it's only for first drafts, because then you've got to go back and revise. you know. But it's a good way to just get the flow going, so you're not like, eh, why don't I write about... You know, you're know? you just like... And then gradually, good stuff starts. I mean, the first few things, you're writing like, chicken drum, biscuit, ween, doodly doong doong <laughs> And uh, then you start to write a real story. <laughs> so I, I love those things. So yeah, I trick myself, definitely. Can you do a save as or something? Yeah, you can totally save part. it. Oh, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. So, But it uh, what's it called? Write or die. It's called write or Dot com. Does
1: anyone have this? Are these just these weird programs <laughs> that only Rob Delaney knows about? I mean, they're, yeah, they're, Does I, anyone, they're right, super cool. Raise your hand. You do? You have that?
0: You have write or die. It's just a website. But, okay. You know, then you put it on your computer. I mean, and uh, le- that's a legitimate question and a good question because it's 2013 and if the same computer that you're going to write Moby Dick 2 on, you can also hit a button and then watch a lady take a shower, you know, why would you not do that? You know, so you have which, to... Which site is that? Le- hu- lady.showerhungary.net <laughs> I love that site. Um, I was
1: just checking if it's the same one I watch women take showers on. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot. Yeah, they got a few. And There's... the URLs are so catchy. Yeah. <laughs> The uh, how do you do you find it weird when you're on Twitter? I have this with my wife where like I'll be on Twitter, and I'll think something and then laugh and then write it and then mm-hmm. she's like you can just. Also, say that to me, because I'm here. Yeah. Do you ever have that?
0: Oh, With definitely, yeah. I mean, I uh, like... My wife is cooler than any website I've and yet Than my discover. wife? No, 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 no. You're... I wouldn't... How dare go you, sir? <laughs> I didn't... That's not what I said. But I... Uh, here's the thing. Is... Yeah that's true. It's important. You should have to use any computer or website as a tool, you know, and you don't want to use it to the to the distraction of your life, which we all do. I do and other human people. So, yes, when your wife says that she's a, being a better person than you, and you should listen to her. Just like when my wife says, "How about you take that phone and jam it up your ass yeah. or throw it out the window?" That comes from a good place within her. I hear it and I'm like, "Come on." And then I'm like, "You're correct." You know? So, yeah. So we, it's important to listen when people say that to us, or to listen to our inner best self when it says, "Hey, put the thing down or close it and go smell a tree or pet a bee or whatever."
1: I love smelling trees. <laughs> <laughs> I wish there were more trees in this city. We could smell them. Uh, what you said? There's a third program? No, just, there's just, just those, just those two. two. Those are the just only write two. Right or
0: die. No other programs. Right yeah, or die, die and in freedom. And Mac freedom. Mac yeah.
1: Freedom. Jeez. Yeah. Wow. Did so how many Apple since we're at the Apple store,
0: how many Apple products went into making this book? Uh, two really? Two laptops because I wrote it on one and then that one was like You need two. Started started. Did you hear that you guys? It just started a wee. You wanna write a
1: book? Two laptops.
0: It was rather old and kind of got tired. So I wrote most of it on an older one and then started get, went over to a new one. And then then like literally the centerpiece, I had submitted the whole book to the publisher and I was like, hey, wasn't there a 7,000-word story that I thought really encapsulated <laughs> the basic essence of my soul? Oh, yeah. And I had to rebuild the old computer search system just to find it. And then the publisher was like, yeah, it's, your book really would have been garbage without this. I'm glad you found uh. it. Uh, raise your hand if you have another question. Go ahead. Sean?
1: Our buddy Sean? Hey, guys. Uh, Rob, I, I know it took you a while to become honest with yourself. Mm-hmm. At, at, at what point, how and, and when did you become rigorously honest with your writing and be able to to achieve a kind of honesty that, that a lot of us don't in our writing? Like uh, you, for example, <laughs> don't.
0: I'm working on it. <laughs> I mean, I would say... In the beginning uh, of doing stand-up, stand-up was very helpful for my writing of words on paper with my fingers. And I say that because in the beginning of stand-up, I used to do like more esoteric stuff where I'd like play characters and I'd talk like at subjects rather than, you know. I would talk more about like what's in the news or funny thing I read or whatever, and then... As the years went on, I started to realize that I got better, more enduring, stronger laughs when I talked more about myself, you know? And then, you know, more years passed, and then when I was like, what if I talk about that thing that I don't want to talk about, that when I talk about it, I start to feel like hot in my tummy, you know? Like, what if I talk about that? And then that started to get better. So I realized, the more that I talked about the things that were, that... The more my stuff could only come out of my mouth rather than somebody else's mouth you know that's why like on twitter I'm political a lot in my stand up I'm not at all beyond the politics of like the personal or sexual politics or interpersonal interfamilial things like that uh, because anybody can talk about like Obama, you know, or Kardashian, but only I can talk about like my parenting fears, you know, or my challenges within my marriage or things that I really, really care about. So, yes, it's scarier, but it's more rewarding and it's more dependable. So, it's almost like it's scary, but then there's a more utilitarian, like blue collar aspect to it, like, it also works, you know what I mean? It's like an amazing old tractor with like fewer engine parts or something rather than some newfangled skidabadoo that could break and explode because because there's so many things, you know? That's where the metaphor starts to break down. <laughs> <But what laughs> I'm oh, say- I was fully in it <laughs> all the way through. But I think that um, if a smart person edits what I said, then you uh, what I'm saying is, that took years. It was scary, and I'm very glad I did it. So that's. I my really answer. like
1: on your website how you have advice for uh, aspiring comedians.
0: I well, yeah. Enough people asked that I thought I did. I I took it down ultimately. Oh, did you I, take it down? I did. I, I'll put it back up. Um, not that not that you need it. Not that I don't scour. <laughs> which, by the way, your film uh, Sleepwalk with Me is such an indispensable it's so realistic my wife and I watched that together like holding hands like hurting (laughs) each other's knuckles because my wife was with me the whole way through you know we've been together for a long time and she was like oh my god I mean like the net loss where you get paid less than the gas it takes to get there I mean oh like that's what it's like that is what it's like uh Sometimes it still is such a superb, such a superb <laughs> film. Um, so so watch that film. And then, but uh, you took down the advice. The advice was so well written. Well, thank you. I remember reading that and
1: thinking, like, oh, that's really
0: beautiful piece. I'll put it back up. But yeah, basically, I I, I think what I said is like, you know, maybe move to like New York, LA, or London to just slightly improve your odds. Take a class, not because you'll learn anything in it, or but Mm -hmm. because you'll be around other people who want to do comedy. Mm -hmm. You know, the first my first TV writing job came from a guy. I took an improv class with, like. Twelve years ago, you yeah. know what I mean, like that. So that, so just stack un- the deck in un- your ridiculousness favor. on ridiculousness wow. on MTV. Yep, and um, then what you know, and then uh, and then work harder. Like, look to your left. How hard is that guy working? Work harder. Look over there. How hard she working? Work harder. Because it's also a war I'm of attrition than all these people right here. But honest to God, like here's a big ingredient: people funnier than you. People funnier. Like if you're whatever Scottie Pippen, Michael Jordan is. is is like of comedy is gonna quit for some reason. He's not gonna have the work ethic or whatever, and then you'll get the job that he didn't get, even though he's funnier than you. And you'll you you have to like achieve peace with that as a comedian. That like endurance and work ethic. Those are the people I admire. You know, natural talent, great, but unless you can build a skeleton in that goo pile of talent of hard work, then definitely quit last week.
1: Someone writing down these metaphors. <laughs> Skeleton in the goo pile.
0: <laughs> That's the name of my next. I'm book. on precarious psychic territory Skele- after all the skeletons the book in breasts. the goo pile.
1: It's also a good band name. Uh, raise your hand. Go, uh, go ahead. Uh, this gentleman right here.
0: Thanks. Uh, Mike had mentioned something about your sort of uh, adamant about your alcoholism, and Mm -hmm. I can sure identify with that. Uh, I read, you know, I followed both you guys with the humor, and then when Cory Monteith died, I saw that that piece you put up, and it was like, so powerful, I still send it to people. And I read your stuff in The Guardian. Do you get people who who understand all these different ways you write? I mean, the, the perspective, the seriousness? And then the absurdness. I always
1: wonder that about you too, because yeah, and you have political writing, you have serious writing, you have comedic writing, absurd writing.
0: Um, Well, my the way that I feel about that is that for all my joshing around um, and I can be sarcastic and stuff, and I can I can do things that come from like a small-minded place and a silly place. I really do I like people and I love the human race and I really give them a lot more credit than uh, you know I think a lot of commercial things would or, or you know or Hollywood or whatever. People are smart and they un- they appreciate nuance and I honestly think if you give people like a varied nuanced thing or things, it's like watering a lawn. Like they are like, thank you. So people re- generally, for the most part, when I do the disparate things that I do, people usually, if I like do like a big tonal shift in the middle of something, people aren't like, whoa, never mind. <laughs> They're usually like, oh, cool, putting after my club sandwich. You know what I mean? It's like you wouldn't want your meal to just be, you know, cornbread. You also want cranberry sauce. So, um, and, then, and then I just turn into a metaphor in front of you and, uh, yeah. And I eat it yeah. and then... <laughs> But, you know, I think people are good, people are smart, at at the root, when you really, like, society, like the government wants us to all, literally wants us to bite us 50-50 and have us fight each other so we don't pay attention to the things they're trying to put up our butts and so, but that's wrong. People are wired to like each other. I mean, to see two little children, like I have two little children, my oldest kid is two and a half. To see him and my nine-month-old just, just for the hell of it be so kind to each other is like, I want to throw, I want to vomit tears projectile because I can't believe, it's just amazing. So people are, are good, is my answer to your question about some different websites. <laughs>
1: Two more, you got go ahead. Hi, I'll direct this in a this question in a in Twitter format. At Rob Delaney.
0: <laughs> you're cool, you are cool. Um my fave tweets of yours are your Drake tweets. Okay. How do you select who you engage with?
1: Hashtag 420 no, hashtag space Benghazi. <laughs> wow. Um I think yeah, I think standing ovation for that question. <laughs>
0: Um, Didn't catch
1: on, but I like that question. It's very cle- is clever. Yeah. It had a hashtag. Good stuff. Yes, it was um, a callback to your jokes. Not bad, huh? Thing had everything.
0: Um, at Drake um, was in it. <laughs> at uh, Leather Beef sixty nine. Uh, I the Drake, and then I'm gonna abandon the format. Um, I, the Drake stuff. <laughs> I don't know. He's just so silly. Beef. Drake is silly to me. Uh, his music is good, but you don't think he could
1: have just gotten that leather beef. You think he had to get leather beef. 69. <laughs> oh, I leather beef is yeah. taken. <laughs> I
0: imagine. And he, it wasn't that he wanted uh, to do sex number 69. Yeah, yeah, it was like, just no, just one through 68. See, you were could taken. Get, yeah. Those are so, like taken. you yeah, could yeah, get yeah. at leather beef 70. Um, uh, no, Drake is just silly to me. Obvi- obviously, he's good at what he does, but like just how he's so mopey, I'm like, chill out. You were like a child star on a fun, you know, uh, what do you call that, soap opera for Canadian teens, and now you're like, but I'm sad because I'm so rich. I don't <laughs> buy it. So to me, he's a fun comedic target, even though I'm sure he's a terrific person, etc. Um... <laughs> So you enjoy those. Yeah. Oh, and so then it's just fun. I mean, nothing brings me greater joy than to think of the worst possible raps that I can think of and then earnestly send them to him and be like, (laughs) why won't you put this on an album? (laughs) Yeah, like (laughs) that stuff. I mean, literally. Has he ever replied? He never has. No, No. he hasn't. Counting Crows have replied and have been like, "Don't, why don't make fun of us?" And I'm like, "Oh, do they say that?" Oh yeah, yeah." they're upset. And I'm like, "I'm genuinely sorry, and I feel bad, and I didn't think that you would notice me, and I feel very yeah." Oh no, God! You could be the hugest celebrity and the billionaire in the world, and if you called me, I'd be like, "I didn't. I'm really sorry." (laughs) Except Ryan Seacrest.
1: Yeah, at Lena Dunham and I were tweeting <laughs> at about uh, at, at each other about Maroon Five one night, uh-huh. and then like the drummer like chimed in and was like, "Hey, <laughs> we're trying our best." It was oh, like yeah. it ah! was
0: <laughs> it was really weird.
1: That's just so weird about Twitter. It's just like it, this instant connection weird. across yeah. the world.
0: That's so funny. That is so funny. Um, um, when well, we
1: have, I think, one time for one last question, who has the best question? Who's, who's, who's going to ask a question that's going to make everybody go, that's the smartest person here?
0: There's a blonde person over there. That that person? Confident? Hi, Rob. Hi there, Nate. How often do you tweet something and then immediately regret it and worry about it? Um, maybe like once every two or three days is probably the honest answer. Like, I'll be like that, whoa, you know? <laughs> or like the the, like, the line between, like, satire and, like, the black carbon of the purest hatred on Earth is, like, too thin for even me. I'm like, it's, like, diaphanous fabric. I'm like, I don't know. I think I just basically pooped in humanity's mouth. And then, uh, so, so. but then people will be like, hey, terrific. And I'll be like, oh, okay, it's, I guess it's not that bad. Um, so, but that, that'll happen. And I'll totally delete stuff, you know, um, If I think like because I remember like when I first was getting sober, I met a guy named Doug, this old guy, and he's like, he he, and I he you just kind of learn how to rewire yourself and he would he would say like, well before you say something, tough guy, he'd say like, is it true? Is it kind? And then he said, in the third one, a lot of people forget. He goes, Is it necessary? You know? (laughs) He's like, and so I I ask myself that sometimes. Not often when I tweet, but I'll be like, did I need to do that? You know what I mean? Like like, you could read a few of my tweets and think, this guy's a monster. He should be in a cage. Uh, but if you read like a hundred of them, you'd get a clearer picture. And you'd be like, oh, he might not be a bad guy. He might might possibly be trying to do something here. And so um so, but I do try to err towards the not mean. I might be angry. I think it's okay to get angry. There's plenty to be angry about. But mean, destructive is uh, very rarely funny to me. So, so I do try to shy away from that. Like, and, and, and I'm my own favorite target, you know. So I'll say horrible things about myself. But the world at large, I, I, I endeavor not to too much. But still, yes, every 48 to 72 hours, I tweet something and think, really shouldn't have done that. All right,
1: so that's it. We're going to, just so you know, you can get this book if you have an iPad or a device, like, or a book. Basically, you can download it's it physical. onto a Hold paper book. Hold that up so people understand <laughs> what that is. That's a book. That's a, pa- it's in, pa- it's paper. It's ty- uh, printed on paper. And then also there's this other version, mm-hmm. which is on uh, the, the iPad or their computer, and you just buy it. You could I you just buy it. iBooks. It's I pretty
0: visually satisfying. Uh, the first book I read on iBooks was my own, and it was a good way to consume it. They're, it's a pleasant uh, experience on your eyes.
1: And, y- and you've been a pleasant experience... On my eyes, Rob Delaney. And you on mine, Mike. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks
0: for coming out and joining us. Yeah. And tell all your friends about the book. Thank you, Mike. Huge privilege to have Mike Birbiglia here. Thank you very much. And thank you, Apple and iBooks. Thanks so much.